Ungefragt. Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie, an American Filipino mom living in Denmark, and my kids think I'm cool, but... Last weekend, when I took my kids to the Lego house uh, to play on top of the roof playground, I accidentally put two different shoes on my son. I guess I was in really hurry because, yeah, he had two different shoes. I didn't realize it until I got to the playground. But the good thing was, it was a, re- a right foot and a left foot. <laughs> Do you guys have a butt moment with your kids? I would love to hear them and share them to the listeners. Uh, let me know by visiting my website or going on my social media outlets. I have many of them, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. You can go on there and send me your butt and I'll give you a shout out and read it during this podcast and radio show. Anyhow, let's get back to the store, uh, to this show. Welcome again to My Kids Think I'm Cool But Podcast. In today's episode, we will be discussing handling. <laughs> I don't know what I'm on, Dave. <laughs> eh, Too much coffee, I guess. Maybe. Where do yeah. you got that coffee today in the morning? I know. McDonald's. Are McDonald's. You take me to McDonald's every time that I have to I drive know, you to the radio station. But that's my gas money for you. That's my gas okay, money. Okay, well, I appreciate it because I love, <laughs> I love the sausage McMuffins that you feed me with. But... Honey, you're doing great. Just yeah, carry yeah, I know. <laughs> Trying. Um, well, this topic is actually about handling cultures in one household. When you are a parent, there are many challenges that already comes with raising children. But when you're an international parent raising children in a different country, the, cha- the challenges actually triples uh, because the parent are trying to navigate in a new country, plus the hardship of being a parent. And yeah, just trying to get through day-to-day life uh, with language, culture, you name it, um, and then raising your kids. Yes, not all the times are hard and some are fun and amazing uh, to be parents, but um, gonna be honest, it's it's there's some hard times. For example, for me, my Danish is okay, but there are moments when I am speaking to my daughter's teacher in her Bernahound and I'm completely lost for words. My Danish uh, can only get me so far. And then from there, I get so frustrated with my Danish. And sometimes there's some miscommunication that happens and I have to switch to English. And I put a little bit of hardship on myself because I'm like, I really want to focus on Danish while I'm living here. So that's definitely some frustration that I have as an international parent. Also, since we are speaking about multiple cultures in one household, I have a perfect person to speak about that. This person is from Estonia and her husband is from Zambia and they live here in Denmark. They are raising their two kids here in Denmark and this is two different cultures living in also a different culture, Estonia, Zambia, Denmark. That's a lot of cultures in one household. And she will be talking about her experience as an international family and her journey uh, as an international in Denmark. Uh, Today, we will be talking about her life and how she balances the culture in her household. I want to introduce everyone to Eka. Um, Eka and I met through a mutual friend um, through 
the Facebook world. Uh, I actually hired her to do my artwork on my website and my podcast album. And if you, I got so many compliments from it um, that I wanted to share her story to the world because she's also going through um, an international life with her family. So um, everyone meet Eka. I don't want to slaughter her last name. So yeah, Eka, would you want to say your last name for me? Uh, hi, my name is Eka Einman Simpungwe. Okay. Yeah, I, so, good, good use of it. Because because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit tricky. Yeah? What? It's a bit tricky. Yeah, it is definitely very tricky. You have a very unique last name. <laughs> but thank you for being on this uh, radio show and podcast. And I think your story is so amazing that I'm actually making a two-part uh, radio show. So this is actually part one about Eka and her international life in Denmark. And then the next one will be next week. And that'll be part two and talking about her passion in art and how she actually found it uh, later in her life and uh, living in an international uh, atmosphere while trying to find your passion. So I decided to make this a two-part episode because her life is so... Um, so great and so much experience in it that uh, I think it would benefit a lot of people that are, that are listening here. So let's get back to the show. Um, oh, I already said this is a two-part show. I don't know where my head is today in this episode. Don't worry, honey. <laughs> We're here to hold your hand in time, times of need. <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about Eka's experience here in Denmark, and especially with her family. Um, Eka, do you, let's. This is the famous question that actually everyone gets: is how did you end up in Denmark? Oh, that was actually uh, kind of like a mo- from the movie, you know. Um, I was living in Estonia. I had a good job. I was interior designer for one Italian company. Life was mostly about work and parties, you know, young people. So um, everything went fine. But then I was discovered that I have a brain tumor. And I was immediately put in heavy medicine. And uh, I was not allowed to do any more stressful work. I was not allowed to drink alcohol. So basically, yeah. kind of party lifestyle had to change dramatically, actually. I was kind. I was a little while uh, continuing uh, my work and just, uh, going to the parties, but it was kind of pointless uh, <laughs> to be a only sober person. <laughs> you know, everyone looks so stupid. <laughs> All this life uh, felt so meaningless and... Then I started to think also like, okay, where, where I'm going with it? I mean, what's the point of it, what I'm doing here? And then uh, there was also danger for me to go blind if the brain uh, tumor uh, keeps growing. Wow. So I was thinking that, okay, I have to get out and see the world. So this is how I, as it was also kind of accident, how I found this, um, I found a volunteer program. And it was through Danish organization. Mm. And uh, yeah, so I came to Denmark. I trained uh, to be a volunteer. And then I went to Zambia. So yeah, wow. this is how I came in the first time. Yeah. Wow, that's a 
a really life-changing moment you had with the brain yeah. brain tumor. What went through your head when the doctor said, yeah, you have a brain tumor and then you have so much, this much uh, time to live or whatever the doctor said to you during that, during that time? What went through your head? I think um, it went so fast. Um, this blood samples and all this and uh, the scanning and when it came out, I actually didn't understand in the beginning what is the real consequences because the doctors they always told me in a way like okay we will deal with it like kind of not very dramatic way but then while the time went and those treatments and then all this then I started to get this fear in me you know (laughs) like if it doesn't go fine if the medicine doesn't work like what then of course it was kind of yeah, for the young person to hear, it's not, it, it is shocking, actually. How yeah. old were you when you found out? I was 20, uh, 28. Yeah, 28. It was 2008. And I was 28, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you're like living life, and then all of a sudden, like, boom, <laughs> a yeah. story like that. It was just... Yeah, I finished my university. I just started uh, like my career, you know, like, uh, yeah, I was already a few years working. So things went quite well for me. So yeah. that was a sudden kind of change I had to make. Uh, yeah. Well, that's great. That led you to Denmark and also that led you to your husband. Um, can you tell the yes. listeners actually how you met your husband? Yeah, well... Uh, I went to volunteer, like I said, uh, in one uh, small village in Zambia. And um, my husband, he was working for one big company. He's actually from the other city. And he was also referred to that small village to work. Yeah. Uh, So we kind of both met in a way that we didn't have friends. So we started, both of us, in a small place. So it was very easy for us to find each other, actually. Yeah, this is. So, yeah, was it like love at first sight when you when you saw him? I just have to ask. <laughs> um, oh, it is so complicated. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was no, it was not love at first sight. Yeah, I mean, I was not looking for anything. Yeah, so I kind of uh, and I just arrived, so I didn't have any kind of specific eyes on anyone. Yeah. That so, wasn't your motive to go. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, then uh, we um, start, uh, we had like a chess club and I don't know how to play chess and he knows. So he started to teach me chess. So this is how we kind of started to know each other because we were talking and playing. And so this is uh, <laughs> yes, how I got to know that he's actually like awesome person yeah oh that's so cool um when i was actually reading your uh, story that you sent me before we had this interview um you said that you guys got married one month after you guys um yeah and did yeah. you did you have the traditional zambian wedding no uh, how was the wedding Not we didn't have a wedding okay the thing was we got married so fast and this is ironic because I always preached my friends 
you have to know the guy before you start to live together. You know, I was always telling. And then it was me who was kind of married after one month, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we didn't have any wedding. Uh, we had only two friends who came to as witnesses. Mm-hmm. And our friends, they came from Europe. And they also got married with us in the same day. So we had like double uh, registration, let's say. Uh, our, um, we didn't have a wedding because uh, both our families, they didn't approve our decision. So nobody came. Nobody wanted to come to see our wedding. <laughs> not from his side or not from my side. So, and also the friends, it was kind of shock for everyone that we came together. Yeah. Well, you just you just answered my next question, which was, what did your parents think when you told them you were going to uh, get married? <laughs> what oh were their reactions? God. Did they like, my, you're not you my daughter imagine. anymore? <laughs> yeah, basically. My mother was so shocked. She was in bed three days. She couldn't move herself. She was totally shocked. Because she didn't, uh, it was, she was so angry with me, you know, that I'm going to the other side of the world and doing something like this. But, uh, my husband was very smart. Yeah. He told me, he told me, imagine that you have one daughter who is going somewhere in the other side of the world, like India, for example. You don't know anything about India, except that in India there is poverty, maybe. You don't know anything. And your daughter, only daughter goes there and she gets married there. Of course, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. You don't know anything. He was always telling me that you know, your mother knows that Africa means that uh, there is naked people running around uh, in the forest somewhere uh, talking in click la- language, uh, you know, have a- HIV and uh, have wars. So that was kind of, of course, my mom, this worry, uh, the, the unknown in the other side of the world, the daughter is gone. <laughs> so, but she don't understand that the life, like you also know, in Zambia is kind of similar like here. I mean, there is development, buildings, people are, you know, brushing their teeth and everything is normal. <laughs> but it is really hard for people to understand if they see only natural geographic, you know, <laughs> they don't see the other development side of those African countries. So, yeah, it was very hard on her. Yeah. Do they, do both sides of the family now accept it? Of course, you guys have been together for so long. Um, yeah. Since they got to know uh, you and then also your husband? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom is the biggest fan of my husband now. <laughs> they are very similar in personality. So the, my mom loves him. And also I have amazing relationship with the family. I think for them it was also kind of uh, hard to accept me because I didn't know anything about their traditions. You know, I was outsider. So they wanted for their firstborn son something very stable and they thought that okay maybe this marriage is not gonna last so yeah but it did and your guys' 10 year anniversary is coming up is that correct yeah after uh, 11 days yeah so congratulations on that and um yeah and not not so many marriages now nowadays don't really last isn't there like a four year a four year um a period where people are kind of divorcing. I think that's the mark. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's... 
Yeah, congratulations on the uh, 10 year uh, anniversary that's that's coming up and it's nice to hear that both families actually now accept it and are you know living um in a happy happy way that you guys uh live in Denmark and have two beautiful kids. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we are also in contact with our families all the time. Do, do you so visit often? We visit after like every two years or so. We try. Oh, to Zambia. Yeah. Okay. Um, how yes. um, when you guys move here? How was it uh, adapting to the culture here in in Denmark when you first move here on your own? Um, and then afterwards, uh, when you brought your husband uh, from Zambia, how was it adapting? Um, I think it was uh, for me. There was some things that were maybe different, but Denmark and Estonia have a lot of similarities. I mean, we have history together, you know, we have uh, even uh, similarities in the language and food and so. So it was not so hard maybe for me. But uh, yeah, for my husband, there was some funny stories. Uh, <laughs> what are the cultural differences like both? But he's very, he's very open-minded, so he had adopted very, very easily. So it was it was it was hard in the beginning for your husband. What was what do you think was the hardest uh, for you uh, when you first came here? You said that Estonia and Denmark have similarities, but was there something that uh, you it was hard for you to get used to here in Denmark? Uh, yeah, I think for me as a personally, I think it was hard to find friends. The social part, um, I think it is everywhere like that. I think also when people come to Santa Estonia, maybe it's harder for them. So, yes, the social part, and also that people have different way of communicating. Yeah. Estonians are more straightforward than Danish, maybe. So okay. sometimes we can be considered as rude <laughs> or something. So it is maybe yeah, there is some small like um, differences. Yeah, and for my husband also, I think in a cultural wise, it was actually quite different because there is so many values that are here, so different from Zambian values. So I don't know, do you want examples? Yeah, that would be great to hear like um, an example uh, from Zambia, the values versus here in Denmark, because it's always interesting to hear um, two different sides. Uh, a basic thing, for example, for us, uh, I think for also for many Estonians and Zambians, what is similar is that we value family a lot. I see that in Denmark it's very easy to divorce or come together and uh, separate. So in that way, he, it was uh, for him really under difficult to understand this jumping from one relationship to another, what I think is kind of common in many Europe countries, I think. But then some funny things were also kind of... Um, like uh, in Zambian culture, for example, age is uh, like uh, considered as a, you know, respect thing. Yeah. So if somebody is uh, asking you in Zambia, what do you think, how old I am? Then you always try to offer a little bit more, you know, because uh, it's uh, polite. Yeah. <laughs> so my husband here in Denmark, also he went out with his friends. And then he met uh, like an older Danish woman who asked my husband, what do you think, how old I am? <laughs> and my husband 
was looking at her, oh, okay, maybe she's like around 50, so I will offer 60 <laughs> to be sure. She would be happy. Well, you can imagine she was not very happy. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and also about, the, um, I think, the appearance-wise, like the weight, what was actually a shock for me also in Zambia, and for him also it was hard to adjust, that in many African countries, also in Zambia, uh, bigger women are considered more pretty, um, not totally obese, but still like that they have something more than just, and in Europe you should look skinny, you know, yeah. that is the standard. So <laughs> in Zambia it's very common when somebody will come to you and say, mm, you look fat, you know. <laughs> so it's like a compliment, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you need to know that it's the opposite, yeah. So those are kind of funny things, but uh, culturally he has to. I hope your husband wasn't going around calling women fat. <laughs> Can you imagine? I wanted to slap somebody in Zambia because he said that I'm fat. And I was thinking, I'm not so fat. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was a cultural change for you when he called you, yeah, oh, you're uh, fat. Yeah. What? <laughs> No yeah. wonder it wasn't first love and first, first sight, because he called you fat. No, it was not him. He didn't tell me that. It oh, was okay. somebody else. Oh, okay. It was somebody in the bus, even. You know, like totally random person I have never met. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So there was... Um, oh, yes. wow. That, that is two different two different worlds. And that's why I would love to have your husband on here to talk about his experience, because it, it would be yeah. so eye-opening like what he thinks and uh, the culture is and how he adapted and how different it is from, yeah. from Zambia. So next time, <laughs> hopefully he can get on. Because yeah. I, do, I, I do try to get some dads on here and get their perspective of um, living in Denmark or living abroad because it's, it's such a different yeah, perspective from, yeah, it's such a different perspective from women. <laughs> exactly. Um, how was it adapting to the culture here in Denmark when you first moved here? Um, oh, sorry, I already asked that question. I'm lost. Um, when you brought your husband here, was it difficult with the whole visa process since you came from um, another European country, Estonia, uh, trying to live in Denmark? Uh, you know, it's actually easier. It's actually easier to bring okay. somebody. I think now it's change but we came so long time ago in that time he came with this uh, family reunification visa and this is uh, like EU uh, for EU countries so yeah. actually I know that for Danish people it's much harder to bring somebody here than for somebody who is outside from the Denmark so it was very easy I mean we were not even expecting it to be so easy <laughs> he got it immediately visa for five years and we didn't even try. I mean, we just uh, made one application and he immediately got it. I don't know, maybe we were just lucky. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, here in, in uh, Denmark or in Europe in general, um, the visa process is, changes all the time. But I, I went through the Danish uh, visa because my husband's uh -huh. Dane. And that was hard, even though I've been living in Denmark for a couple of years before I got married to my husband. It was still hard to even change yeah. it. So... Um, I've heard that EU process was easier than the Danish process, and also uh, cheaper. 
Oh, yeah, yes, yes, sir. Because we didn't need to prove anything. I mean, financially. Yeah, you don't have to have the 100,000 kroner in the bank. No. <laughs> Hold no. for seven years, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. with the three cultures running in the household, how do you balance the the culture, making sure one culture is not ignore and ignored, and making it part of your children's lives? Culture. Yeah. The thing is that I think in our family, we talk so much about the culture. Mm-hmm. We always refer, like, okay, this is in Denmark, it's like this, in Estonia, it's like this, and then... Like Andrew, many times, my husband Andrew, <laughs> he's many times telling funny stories how it is in Zen, in Zambia. So I think we are like constantly talking about the languages. Also, we are talking all the languages at home. So it's also kind of giving the kids feeling that they have, they are part of everything. Because we have had some uh, kind of identity crisis with my daughter. I had one point where she didn't understand where she belongs. She was like telling me that, okay, mommy have all the family are white and daddy family all are black and I'm alone brown, you know, like I don't have anyone. So we started to put full on. Hello? I'm here. Oh, oh, I, I, it was so silent. So we were just uh, full on have been putting the culture and talking about culture and uh, uh, talk about a lot about our families as uh, so that they know the history that we have a family with a big um, history background. So they would feel really root, rooted in something. Yeah. Do you kind of divide it like, okay, uh, today, um, because you had your daughter kind of identity crisis, um, like today we're going to, not learn about Estonia, but um, make sure you feel like you're the have the Estonian uh, culture. And then the next day is from uh, Zambia. Uh, Zambia. Um, do you no, no. or you just kind of make it your own? It's just becoming as uh, naturally. I mean, we don't have. We have also Estonian friends, and we have also Zambian friends, and our parents. We are calling to both sides every day, so it's kind of part of the daily life like for example we make food differently of course mm-hmm. and then always my husband loves to cook so he always like taking my daughter next to him and telling her okay in Zambia we do like this or we cover the food for example in my country covering food is not a so big thing if you don't cover food but in Zambia you should cover food you know because there can be I don't know flies coming and sit on the food or so so there is Every time we say, ah, oh, in Estonia it's like that, Zambia is like that. Food you prepare differently, why? You know, because in Zambia maybe you need to preserve food longer. So you have to try it. You know, in Estonia we eat more fresh foods. We don't cook so much uh, through. So we always talk about those things. Also how the hair are made, which kind of hair. Estonians, how we are taking care of our hair. How okay. Zambians take care of their hair. Okay. Yeah. Also, your uh, kids probably have such um, a mixture. Their hair is so different in in texture or because um, maybe they have more of the um, hair from Zambia that's a bit thicker and, yeah. Um, actually, 
my daughter's hair, they're like just curly hair. So it's actually very easy for me to take care of them. She have a lot of hair, but they're like just, just curly hair. It's not like very hard. Like my husband have a rasta. <laughs> so he, he have long rasta. So yeah, natural rasta. So he have totally different kind of hair structure. But oh. my daughter, she he just have long uh, curly hair. Okay, so, so it's, it's easier um, to to take uh, yeah. to take care of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it's interesting to talk about those things because also like uh, Africans can have totally different hair structure. You know, yeah. some have more curly hair, some have straight hair. So it's also like we have in Europe here. Some have uh, thick hair, some have more thin, straight, curly. So in Africa also they have a lot of different hair types. But we always consider, we always think somehow that, okay, Africans have the same hair, which is not true. So it's, um, yeah, we always talk about those things. Yeah. So it's definitely part of the culture then, the, the hair yeah. part, uh, the cooking part. Uh, what else do you try to uh, integrate into the family that's, um, that you don't want that your, your kids to miss out on and learn from you and your husband? Um, I think... Uh, also cultural wise is the behavior. Um, behavior, we have had a lot of discussions with our, my husband, how we should raise our kids. Uh, the manners, for example. In Zambia, it's very important, the manners, how you speak, uh, how you speak as a child. You know, not everyone is equal, you know. Mm-hmm. You need to know, know your place. Of course, we give a lot of freedom for our kids. They creatively, all kind of ways to do sports, whatever, but they always have to have good manners. The way they talk to the other people, they, the way they behave in public places. So in that way, I think, yeah, it is a little bit different sometimes from Denmark. I think Denmark is more relaxed about the kids' um, behavior, if I say it in a nice way. Sorry. <laughs> I, I also feel experience that the the kids here are more relaxed. For example, going to a restaurant. Um, when I was younger, I would never leave the table with my parents to go run around and play. And I noticed yeah. that a lot of children here are doing that, or uh, they'll say no to their parents and yeah. yeah, not not care and say no or scream in the middle of the public. Um, but I was always taught not to do that um, yeah. and just be sit next to my parents. So I was instilled in me to yeah. have good manners and as a child and respect everyone that's older than me. Yeah. And I see it the difference. Is, uh, I think, yeah. I think the culturally it is also when we compare many European countries, not only Denmark, the respect, the respect for the parents and the elderly is uh, much less in Europe. I think it was more before it have changed. And uh, we don't want our our kids to respect their grandparents. And it's like uh, giving them also when they grow up, they will be adults. They will also respect their elderly people. You know, they are an important part of our society. But somehow here in Denmark, sometimes I feel like they are dismissed. You know, they have much more offer actually than young people take, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Of course, it's different from the family to family, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, I see some kids sometimes um, screaming in the middle of a, a like a adult get-together and the kid is just screaming and then hitting their 
parents, mom or dad, and then the dad or the mom is just sitting there. It's like, oh, it's okay. Stop, stop. All calm. <laughs> I'd be like, mm, <laughs> that would be so hard for me to be calm. I would always like pull my daughter to the side and talk to her and say, that's, you know, that's not good that you're hitting me in front of people. But I see it yeah. here in Denmark that it's uh, normal, normal, and just kind of approach it in a calm way. It, it's not a wrong thing, uh, but for me, I was yeah. always raised not to hit my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, I think I, I, we are kind of lucky as well. I think because uh, our daughter, she's now nine, and when I have observed her, how she have brought up or how she have grown. She's also kind of intelligent. She understands what, like, I haven't had any kind of, I don't know, very strong conversation with her about it. She kind of gets how you have to be with adults and uh, generally the behavior in school and so. So it has been easy for us. Yeah. <laughs> it's just easy time. Yeah, and it also depends on, on the kids. Um, yeah, and how their behavior behavior is, and how they approach things. So it's definitely not just the adults, but also how the kids yeah. are, because every kid can be different. It's like, for example, a baby. Yeah. Some people are like, "Oh, I have the best baby," and they're they're sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And then there's exactly. other other parents are like, "My baby never sleeps." <laughs> so it's just like yeah. it's like a lottery, I guess. <laughs> you don't know how yeah, your child's yeah. gonna be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then we can only just be the best parent we can be and handle it and and show them what everyone wants. Yeah. Go ahead, what were you gonna say? Everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to be a best parent. I mean, this is what you try to give to your kids, I mean, that they will be normal grown ups that they so yeah. Yeah, and everyone we, we shouldn't judge each other. Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely right. We shouldn't judge each other as a parents because it's mm. parenting's hard. And it, the funny thing is, I remember when I was uh, a child um and I would get mad at my mom for not letting me do something and I'm always like, Ugh, if I was uh when I'm going to be a mom, I'm going to let my my kid do, you know, do that <laughs> or go out. It's like I don't know why you're so strict. And now I'm a parent, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, now mm. I know." <laughs> Exactly. And my mom always said, just watch when you have kids. I was like, yeah, I'll be cool, mom. <laughs> yeah, this is what we all have said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then when you become parents, you're just like, oh, man, sorry, mom. <laughs> sorry yeah, for all the things I've said. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, let's move over to uh, languages. How about uh, language, the language culture in your house? Do you all speak Danish? And how is the language balance since you have three languages? And I know in Zambia, in, it can be like three languages within a country and in all different dialects. <laughs> I said it also a little bit before, but uh, we are trying to keep all, uh, all the languages kind of... Uh, we don't speak Danish at all at home. Okay. They will get it from the outside because our Danish is not perfect and we are not both Danish. We are not. So we don't want that they will learn Danish in a wrong way. So we have also talked at school and kindergarten about it. And they also advise not to talk with the kids at home in Danish. Otherwise, they can learn in a wrong way. And in the beginning, I was kind of worried about my daughter, that how it will be in school and can she catch up? Is it enough for her? 
but uh, she's now in third grade and she's one of the best uh, Danish speaker and she uh, is the best reader. She's reading books like, uh, you know, like candies. <laughs> so she's really um, uh, well adopted with Danish. So we are not worried about it. Also about our son, I think it, he will be fine. And in English, when we are all together, we speak and then I speak Estonian with them. Uh, and my husband speaks Pemba. Pemba is like a biggest uh, language in Zambia. Uh-huh. So it's national. Uh, amongst, uh, yeah, uh, uh, amongst 72 languages, <laughs> what they have in Zambia. <laughs> Pemba is, yeah, biggest. So uh, we kind of speak, it's uh, like a Babylon here. I mean, we speak every language possible. My husband even speaks Estonian already. He's really good, actually. I have to be very careful when I'm speaking something Estonian <laughs> because he understands so much. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you're you're basically giving your kids the gift of four languages um, in one household. Yes. And that's yes. so amazing because a lot of uh, families out there um, only give to it's not it's not like only uh, a second language is a gift uh, but four is just like wow that's a lot of languages going yeah, in through a little power. huh yeah putting it full power yeah and their little yeah. minds absorb all of it so fast mm. and yeah, yeah I think we, saw, we saw it in our daughter that there was no like uh, she didn't get behind or anything she didn't have any kind of problem to actually take all of all those four languages. So that's why we continue kind of, yes. We just give everything and then she will find out. And she's so good. She don't mix, mix languages or anything. She understands exactly the grammatic, uh, grammatic parts of the different languages and and she don't uh, switch and change and mix languages. So that's she's managing. That's so great. Yeah. Um, my daughter, she only speaks two languages, but we were also in the same boat where we were worried that uh, she wasn't going to speak uh, enough Danish or get along with, with the kids because the home language was English. But mm-hmm. she switches so quick, English, Danish, but she's also uh, only four. So sometimes she speaks Danglish. So she'll be thinking mm-hmm. in both languages and then one <laughs> sentence will be English, Danish, English, Danish, Um so she's she's still trying to separate the two languages, but I'm just so surprised That's how normal. yeah how much yeah. she absorbs. And then sometimes I even ask her, "What is this um, in English?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's a sticker, Klistermark." I was like, "Oh," or like she knows like the most random words. And if I ask her, I was like, "Can you say that in English?" She'll switch in English, no problem. So yeah, I, I think to, sometimes we underestimate the kids. I mean. They are so capable. Yeah. But sometimes we think maybe too much or no, it's not. They, they can handle so much. Yeah. Uh, their little minds uh, can just absorb everything. When I was in the U.S. Uh, last year for two months, uh, she completely stopped speaking Danish. Uh, we were actually kind of worried because we're like, oh, my gosh, she doesn't speak any Danish. Um, so we were worried to actually go back to Denmark and see how she would get back to Bernhaun and talk to her friends. But the teacher, the pedagogue said, no, oh, took her two days. She's fluent in mm. Danish again. And sometimes she'd yeah, correct yeah. my Danish. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens in our house every day. I mean, <laughs> my daughter is always telling me when I'm going to shop or somewhere and I see something wrong, she's very fast to correct me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, my daughter my my first time my daughter actually correct me was when she was two years old and I was like, uh what? <laughs> I was like, you're two. She's like, no, no, that's not how you say it, Moa. I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's uh, very easy to adopt. I mean, also when we have in, in Zambia, our kids also, they don't speak Danish there. So it, it's the same, like you said. And then they come back and then they continue talking because uh, we are taking our kids when we are visiting Zambia. Our daughter has gone to school as well there. Oh, so okay. she goes immediately to school. So she will have very, this kind of transition to integrate very fast. So That was actually yeah. my first, my second question. Do your, feel, do your kids feel more like they're Danish because they live in, uh, or Dane because they live in Denmark uh, than Estonian or Zambian? Uh, it's also kind of, Different dimension, yeah. Well, my daughter, she's actually getting insulted when people are asking her where she's coming from because she's born in Denmark. So she feels like I'm coming from Denmark, what's the question? But because, of course, she has different color, people notice and they always ask her. But uh, to be honest, she's much more closer to African mm. people than white people. She has that said many times. And I see also when we have people from uh, Zambia or any other African friends visiting, she's much more free and some, somehow more relaxed around them than with the white people. So, but it depends also. I mean, she have also some, uh, uh, we have some good friends who are like Danish uh, grandmother we have. We have Danish aunties. So... She feels comfortable with them. Okay. And so she's yeah, not losing uh, the, you know, the culture in in Zambia because she's away from it for so long and then goes back every two years. No, no, because we have still, of course, you know, uh, Africans, they find each other. Usually people find each other, you know, when there are not so many in one country. So we have some connection and we have some good family friends also who have been living in Zambia and so so they have, we have people around us who remind our kids where they are coming from. Yeah, that's actually a good point because when I went to the U.S. when I was younger from the Philippines, um, we there was a big uh, group um, of Filipinos, uh, Filipinas uh, that would hang out. And that's how I actually learned um, the culture more was because of the group. You um, mean the Filipino mafia? No, not the Filipino mafia. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were just, um, like you said, they usually find, the group finds each other and you found that little group in Copenhagen uh, of uh, either Estonia or uh, Zambia to you know call your good friends or, or as family. Yeah, that's it. Um, you already actually answered my next question, which is uh, when your kids visit Zambia, do they adapt to the way of living there? Um, but they do because you actually put them into school uh, so they can yeah. integrate with the kids and know, you know, the learning, um, how they learn over there and be part of the community. Yeah, yeah and uh, also I think this that we are uh, always in contact. Like my daughter can talk to her uh, uncles and aunties in daily basis in here. So once we travel, they don't feel like those people are strangers or very far from me 
because they're even teasing each other on the phone, you know. So it's usually, yeah, I remember first time when we went to Zambia, my, my daughter was two years old. And we went to my fa- uh, husband's uh, family house. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband's father, he was sitting outside waiting for us. And my daughter went immediately in his lap. Immediately. Like he knew that this is my grandfather. There was nothing. There was no like a shyness or any kind of, because the kids, you know, you, they don't, they resent sometimes people who they don't know. Yeah. And there was nothing. Like he knew that this is my blood. So <laughs> she's very, yeah. So she, we went with my husband everywhere to shop and markets and everywhere. And my daughter remained to play with her cousins and just all day was with other kids and the grandparents. And she didn't even ask where we are. Not even one time. She felt at home. She was, yeah, totally at home. There was, there is nothing. And now, of course, also we have been different times. Also after Zambia, and she always adopts very easily. Okay, so she has no problem being there. No. She it's it's her home, her her second home, yeah. uh, basically from yeah. from Denmark. So you guys, with the contact, daily contact with, with the family in Zambia, that, that really created this big uh, relationship um, that a lot, not a lot of people have that lives abroad from their family. So that contact, yeah. uh, daily contact through whatever, Skype, FaceTime, and Messenger, there's so many ways to keep in contact uh, these days. Yeah. And you're... Uh, it's yeah we are uh, in contact through whatsapp mostly and i think why we are is that my husband is the oldest uh, of the firstborn son so he he's actually a twin he have a twin brother but he's firstborn so it's always uh, going thing um family discusses with him things because he needs to be part of the family daily life you know decision making when something is happening, he will say, okay, let's do like this and that. So he's always, uh, yeah, firstborn is always getting somehow a small uh, pressure from the family. In a way, good way, they never pressure in a bad way, but they always are in contact when, not only when something happens, but also in a good things, you know, and uh, he needs to approve things or, yeah. So I think it's also why we are always in contact. Okay, so she, he's kind of like part of the head of the house because he was first born yeah. from everyone else. So he has sort of a responsibility for the family back at home. Yes. Mm. That's so interesting because that's so different from so many other cultures because first born usually are like the ones are like, peace out, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and in American culture, I guess, that's that's how it is. You kind of just live on your own and leave. <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's so different from a Zambian uh, culture where the firstborn has a responsibility to make decisions and uh, have a say into the household, um, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So that con- yeah, he's always uh, advising his brothers and sisters that are like uh, when they want to make a business or planning to do something, they always he always advises them what to do, what is good idea, what is not good idea. And, so, and also with the marriages, like when uh, his younger brother got married, he was totally involved in all of it. So we also saw the girl and all this kind of thing. So it's like, you are not there only 
I think it's also, it depends, uh, families are different and sometimes families only contact when they need money or something, uh, you know, <laughs> there is this idea that Europe life is maybe better or so, but uh, in Andrew's family, it never happens. I mean, there is um, no talk about um, money, but it's more talk about, okay, how we do things better for family and so so it's also giving good feeling that they actually care for us and <laughs> they're interested how it's going for us. And so. Yeah. Yeah. And then also it was our conversation earlier is a the sign of respect. Your, your husband's um, brother, siblings respect his, his, val- um, his way of thinking and his, his opinion and things. Yeah. Because he, he's uh, uh, he also personality wise, but also his responsibility is that all his siblings would do well, you know. Yeah. So he also loves them and he wants them to do well, but it's also his responsibility. I mean, that they would be fine, and they are fine. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think the country you live in, for example, in Den uh, in Denmark, um, it affects the way you parent your kids because? You know, there's one way of parenting here, and then there's one way of parenting in Estonia, and then there's a one way of parenting in Zambia. Do you think that influences the way you are raising your children? Um, no, I would say no, because uh, we have also, that is what we agreed with uh, my husband in the beginning, that we are not going to be influenced by cultures, uh, how we raise our kids. Of course, we have some things what we want, but we take the good side of our um, cultures, like to have rules and so. But then uh, uh, it would be so um, messy if you would take from each culture something. So we kind of have made our own rules. So, yeah, what is the best we have combined together from different cultures and made it our own. So I don't think we have similarities with Danish so much in the family setup. I think. Okay. Um, so you just kind of make your own rules and take what you like from, for example, in Zambia and Estonia and then in Denmark and kind of um, what works for your family. Is That's the way that um, is that you're instilling yeah. in your kids. Yeah, we don't take like a strongly like uh, culture. I will give you an example, maybe it's uh, clear. Uh, in Denmark, for example, there is uh, only on Fridays kids allowed to eat uh, sugar, yeah. isn't it? Fridays, there is like, yeah. Fridays, yeah. And in my culture, we don't have that. And in some culture, we don't have that. So um, when uh, this Friday stick kind of knocked on our door, like then we had to make a decision, okay, what we will do about it? And we believe that children should uh, practice the self-control. So we have candy always on open. Like we have candy in the cupboard, on the table, the sweet stuff. We don't hide it. And the kids, they have to know how to take it. You know, they have to have a self-control. You take one and two and then you stop. And uh, we don't think that it should be only on Friday one day when the kids go crazy and eat a lot of sugar. So I think for the future, for the children, it is easier when they're grown-ups that they know they have practiced self-control. Yeah, so this is, for example, what we can't kind of take from Danish culture. But there is also some other small things. 
Wow, that's, I didn't really think about it because we do the actual Friday Slick and Disney Show thing with my with my daughter. Not my son so much because he's one, but he knows about it because he sees my daughter taking down some candy and he's like, what is that? So he's interested. Mm-hmm. So, But I see what you mean by leaving the candy out and t- teaching self-control because my, I ha- actually have to hide it from my daughter. Uh, we don't hide it. We just put it in the drawer, but she knows where it is, and she's always sneaking over there looking if it, she can sneak over and get a, a candy. But when Friday hits, she just takes down all the candy, and then she goes, Mommy, I have stomach ache." <laughs> yeah. So what you need to kind of avoid because it's also this, uh, I think, uh, overeating and everything can come in connection with it because one point those kids uh, they start to live on their own and they have uh, access to sleep every day and if they don't know how to control maybe they you know start it every day as much as they want but if they know already their self-control is from the small child in their brain already then they don't get so crazy every time they see chips or sugar <laughs> yeah yeah that's so. that's true and Maybe we'd try that one time, but we'll see how as a four-year-old, though. I don't know how much self-control yeah. she will have. <laughs> That's why in, back home in Chile, we keep children in the basement. So we don't need to teach them anything. You don't teach them anything until <laughs> they become adults? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does your husband uh, like living in, in Denmark? Uh, does he have any complaints or culture cultures that he doesn't... or? Some things that they do here that he's just like, oh, why do they do it that way? Um, or for for you, do you have any um, complaints um, living in Denmark? And how do you take that? Um, to be honest, my husband is generally extremely positive person. I mean, he's not a big complainer. I am, but he's not. <laughs> but um, I think he um, shoots in European culture very, very well with his uh, mentality. Um, this is actually what was one of the things what attracted me about him mm-hmm. because he had those kind of values what I liked from Europe's side because the Africans also, you know, there's all kind of different people. So in that way, um, yeah, for example, he's very precise with time. He keeps time. He's very, like, uh, hardworking. I mean, when he starts something, he's so stubborn. He will not gonna put it down before it's finished. So this is very kind of Danish way, maybe, you know, that you have this responsibility, you take it seriously. And I know that some of the Africans who I, ha- I have met have been kind of more relaxed about those obligations, you know. And the keeping time is terrible in Zambia, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I like that he ha- it had been easy for him in that way. I think in the beginning when he just came to Denmark, and me too, uh, when we didn't speak Danish, it was harder. And uh, complaint maybe was that we were both kind of looked down to time to time. Me as uh, Estonia, you know, Eastern European, and then African, you know. So sometimes we felt from Danish that they are kind of talking down on us. But I think it's also, yeah, now we speak Danish and, you know, you have the same kind of people every day around you who don't think in that way and they know you already so well, so it's different. But yeah, maybe in the beginning it was that. 
okay. So it was it was hard in the beginning, and now afterwards it was now it's easier because you've made friends and you're established a little bit more, and yeah, it's easier living here now. Um, are you and your family happy uh, living here in Denmark? I think it's like to live in everywhere. Yeah. I, I think it's very hard to answer if it's happy or not happy because it's like life happens, you know. You can say happy maybe when you have a shorter period of experience, but we have been here longer time. So there is good things, there is bad things. Like everywhere else, I think we can't kind of hope for a paradise. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we are okay. I think we are happy, yeah. Would you would you consider moving back to either Estonia or back to Zambia and raising your your children? Um, we have actually talked about Zambia, not like in the near future, but yeah, we have been thinking about that. Actually, there is a lot of value in it because our family is there, and also kind of weather is better. Yeah, definitely <laughs> so the we weather. We have been playing around with the idea time to time, but we are, don't have like a yeah so big need at the moment to to go anywhere. We are fine. We have nice life and friends here. So yeah. Did, what would you think the hardest would be to move to Zambia um, if you decide to go there? Um, yeah. Uh, for me or yeah, for the family? For, for the family. For the family. I think for my husband and for the kids, it would be very easy. I I feel like their hearts are so in the connection there. Um, I love Zambia. I have been there before living there. But uh, sometimes I feel like uh, since I am white, you know, it would be always that I would be always a foreigner, you know, yeah. because, you know, <laughs> so that would be maybe in everyday life a little bit um negative for me or sad if I would be constantly reminded that I'm a foreigner. Yeah. So and for maybe friends, you know, kind of hard to find people who think like me. So I have some of the things but I have been worrying. Yeah. And then this will be the last question. Uh what advice would you give families out there uh here living in Denmark or out in the world that have multiple cultures in the household? I think, like I said before, what we did, and I would also advise others to do, is to make your own rules in the house. Mm-hmm. I think that is somehow... I think uh, people, many times when they run families, they don't discuss things. They just go out, uh, the everyday life goes, and then some rhythm will come out of it. But I would actually advise to sit down and think about it, what we want, how we want our... Uh, daily life to look like, like what we want, what values we want kids to learn and just keep those rules in mind in everyday life. Yeah. Oh, that's so good advice. And thank you for being on the show. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week for our part two of your story about your life and finding your passion later in life in art and the art you do 
so thank you and I look forward to you uh, next week um, she has incredible artwork guys uh, go check it out on her Insta I'll have everything uh, on my Facebook where it'll link out uh, to her Facebook uh, her Instagram and whatever other social media she'd like to share um, so that will be on my website and thank you again Eka for being on here and I look forward mm-hmm. to speaking with you next week Thank you very much. It was so, so interesting to talk. And I'm looking forward for the next. It was very exciting. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. And then we will see you next week. I'll talk to you next week then. Bye, everyone. Until next week. Bye. Bye.